0: The Dying of the Light, from Flashbangs and Frag Grenades, by Chexis. read by Sam Gabriel, based on League of Legends by Riot Games. Chapter Four Lux steadied herself on the bow of the Prospero as it queued up for the Noxian Hexgate. To her understanding, the jump would put them inside of Noxian territory, but not over any strategic targets, which made sense. The Noxians were a lot of things, but they weren't stupid. And they knew precisely how many enemies they had the world over, and if any of them got a hold of the Pilotsovan hex gates, then a coordinate lock in the heart of their capital would be the death of them. It still only put them a handful of hours out of the city by airship, which officially made this both the easiest and the fastest that she had ever gotten inside of Noxian territory. Last time it had taken her months on horseback just to cross the border safely, and then she'd had to crawl through half a mile of sewage, which had, predictably, been home to some kind of blood bloodcone that had tried to capture and sacrifice her. She much preferred Zahn's sewers. Worse smell, but fewer cultists. Any signs? Lux looked over her shoulder at Vi, who was ascending the steps to the bow, and once again resisted the urge to bury her knife in the smug woman's throat and pitch her over the side. It would be very easy, and she wouldn't even miss the knife all that much. Not doable, though, not yet. One day. No, I'm afraid not, Lux replied. She might be hiding inside of cargo, but it would take days to search all of it, and frankly, I wouldn't know where to start. Vine nodded. Probably for the best, you know. If we are going to find her, it ought to be somewhere that isn't, like, above a major city. Or at the very least, I suppose we should wait until that city is Noxus, Lux said and Vi laughed as if she were joking. Yeah, fair. She settled in to watch as the Prospero drifted upwards. You ever ridden the Hexgate before? A few times, Luck said quietly. It's a hell of a thing. And it was. Even despite how much time she'd spent in Piltover and Zahn, and how much of her life had been spent roving across the breadth of Valoran doing the bidding of the Radiant, it still surprised her how open the city was about magic. Perhaps it was just the nature of having been born and raised a Demacian. That cultural notion that magic was something to be hidden, buried, and forgotten about was too much a part of her. How much of her really was Demacian anymore, though? Lately, she felt more connection to the Undercity of Zon than she did the bright and shining kingdom that birthed her. Something about the way that Zon wore its ugliness like a badge of pride spoke to her in a way she couldn't put a finger on. The way it took that which other nations would instinctively hide and bear it for all to see, taking a kind of juvenile delight in seeing others recoil from it tickled her. And of course Jinx was Zon in microcosm. How could she love Jinx and not love Zon? How could she love Zon and not Jinx? They were in some ways the same. Washer for your thoughts, Sunshine? Vi asked. And to Lux's own surprise she actually answered. How do you balance being of two worlds, Piltover and Zaun? How do you hold on to who you are, who you were, and, and who you're becoming? Vi's eyebrows crept up to her hairline. And Lux suspected that she hadn't been expecting to get an answer any more than Lux had been expecting to give one. To her credit, though, she mulled over the question for a few moments before finally answering. I guess part of me can't help it. Vi replied. "'It'd be like forgetting how to speak Guttla.' "'But what if you did forget?' Lux asked, instinctively swapping to the comforting pigeon slang of Zaun, and Vine's eyes widened. "'Since when do you speak Gutter?' Lux had to force herself to keep her expression neutral. "'Stupid. That was so fucking stupid. Guttla wasn't like Noxian or Ionian. You couldn't pick it up through books.' It was a fast-evolving slang tongue. Practically the only way to learn was to have a teacher. "'I've spent more time in Zon than you'd expect,' Lux replied, looking away from her. "'Not even I could have survived long down there without learning what people were saying. "'I guess,' Vi said. "'Weird, though,' she laughed. "'You cut it down better than Kate ever managed, and she's been trying to learn it for years.' I spoke five languages in a dozen different dialects before I even touched Gutlau, so I do have a bit of a leg up, Lux replied. It's not that. it's... Vi made a vague gesture with her hand. It's the feel of it, you know? Some pilties know Gutlau, bits of it anyway, but they talk through their nose. She tapped her nostril. And it sounds forced. So? So you almost talked like a trenchie who taught you. Never before had Lux been so desperately tempted to just kill Vi, but things were far too precarious. There were too many unknowns. Removing a piece from the board in such a slapdash, unplanned manner simply wasn't an option, and she had neither the time nor the space to consider the consequences. There was another option, though—the only option. Lux called up the last reserves of her patience and every last ounce of her mastery at dissembling— and prepared to thoroughly humiliate herself. That's... Blush, she needed to blush. She imagined Jinx in a white wedding dress. That did it. That's a complicated answer. It worked. Vi's gaze settled on her warming cheeks, and her look of suspicion morphed into a conspiratorial smile. Oh. She leaned in, the wretched woman. Come on, sunshine, now I gotta know. Lux pursed her lips, giving off what she commonly understood to be a criminally good pout, and said, It's a bit personal, Mrs. Kierriman, but if you must know, I i learned it during an extended stay in Zan, which I largely spent in the company of a, a young woman who was kind enough to teach me the basics. My own capabilities and diligence served me from there. Yeah? Fine wasn't letting up. And Lux once again considered throttling her and damned the consequences. Your accent sounds a little familiar. Maybe I know her. What's her name? I didn't get a name. Lux said, forcing an awkward stiffness into her voice as she looked away, affecting an air of embarrassment. You spent enough time with this girl to learn gutlow and didn't get her name. Bullshit! I said. She went by daybreak. All right. If I choked, that's wait, that's a working girl name. Lux kept her eyes fixed firmly on the horizon. And there was no need to falsify the red on her cheeks anymore, but she kept the white dress image in her head nonetheless. It was a comforting one in that trying time. I'm flesh and blood, Mrs. Kierum, and not a marble statue. I do have needs, Lux said flatly. A quiet snort escaped her as she held up a hand. Hey, no judgment from me, I'm just surprised to hear someone from Demacia got a taste of Zahn and actually liked it, Vi said with a lascivious smirk. And if it's all the same to you, I'd appreciate that not leaving the Prospero, Lux continued with a defeated sigh. I'd rather not endure the looks that would get me, so can I trust you not to spread it around? Your secret's safe with me, Vi replied, her voice hiding the shadows of laughter. I should hope so. Vi's laughter turned into quiet chuckles as the Prospero rose up and aligned itself with the Hexgate, and the hum of magic and the taste of ozone began to surround them. It's funny, Vi said suddenly. What is? Lux asked. Dunno, just shitty as it is, I think you'd have been happier being born in the zone or something, that's all, Vi replied. I can't possibly speculate as to that. Except Vi was almost certainly right. Damasia was a lot of things. It was her home, her nation, and it had raised her. But it had also forged her into a weapon of tyranny. Her purpose was the purpose of the crown, the light and the shadow, and she had done terrible things in the name of that authority. There were more days now than not that Lux wished she had done those terrible things in the name of something more worthy. Something like life, love, or family. Or for Jinx. Well, as the Ionian saying went, the best time to plant a tree was twenty years ago. The next best time is today. Time to start planting. Brace yourself, I said. I'm not a novice. Lux took her advice nonetheless and planted her feet before taking a firm grip on the railing. Blue light ever vast through the air suffusing it with a strange, unearthly quality as a feeling of alien weightlessness came over Lux. Her stomach performed a series of uncomfortable acrobatics as the landscape in front of her warped as the Prospero was shot forward. Vertigo assailed her as she watched the landscape below and around them flash by in the blink of an eye. In the corner of her vision, she glimpsed shapes, runes, and starlight in alien skies. And then it was over. And Lux out a shuddering gasp as she realized she had been holding her breath. Even as accustomed to magic as she was, traveling via Hexgate was quite an experience. Never really get used to that, Vy said, looking faintly green. I can see why, Lux replied. Beneath them sprawled the open plains of Noxus, wide and endless as the sea. In the distance, she could see the great black spires of the industrialized capital where the Prospero intended to make its birth. Towns and villages, too, could be seen dotting the horizon here and there. Some had been Noxian for generations. Others were annexed into the Empire by either Darkwill or the more recent Grand General Swain. Taken without context, Noxus was a stark but beautiful land. Where Damasia was known for its rolling hills and lush forests, Noxus was known for great spans of open space, the quality of its horsemasters, and indeed great herds of horses could be seen here and there, running free across the lowlands. Perhaps that was what spurred the Noxian impetus for freedom, Lux thought. As corrupt as the nation had become, no more or less so than her own homeland, the ideals of Noxus weren't awful ones, The Noxians had thrown off the chains of oppression more than once, rising against cruelty and tyrants, until finally their rulers had learned that clapping irons on their people only served to hasten their trip to the Executioner's Block. The Noxians, it turned out, required a more subtle form of tyranny. Chains of the people's own making were now the only ones that could hold them, but manacles of decadence and politics and militant nationalism were chains all the same. I'm going to walk it off, I think. We'll be over Noxus in a few hours, and I'd rather not upchuck on the docks, Lux said. Vi nodded but didn't move. She was watching the skyline and the passing lands. It was quite a sight for certain, especially for someone who had grown up in the fissures of Zaun. Lux resolved to take another airship trip one day. It didn't really matter where it was headed, only that she was with Jinx when it happened. She was certain Jinx would like the view. Watching the sun rise from aboard an airship sounded more than just appealing at that moment. That day would come later, though, Lux thought, as she wandered past the deckhands, a few of which looked even greener than Vi, on her surreptitious way towards the rear cargo hold. The moment she was certain she was out of view of anyone she pulled a veil of light over herself. Hidden from view, she took soft steps down the stairs, slipped past crew in cramped halls, and eventually descended into the bowels of the Prospero. There were only a few chemlights strung up throughout the lower levels, and they grew fewer the deeper she went, until finally Lux emerged into the section she'd been looking for. Her prior exploration had confirmed its location, enough that she could navigate to it blind if need be. She had also confirmed the marked container, the most important of the lot. Moving quickly and quietly through the darkness, Lux stopped in front of the metal container and ran her fingers over the Gutlau markings that ran vertically down the metal surface. Each crate had a serial number etched into it, a way of tracking them that the company could use to keep an eye on its property. The serial number on this one wouldn't show up in any ledger, though. It was a few too many characters long, for one. For another, it was a sequence of numbers that only Lux and Jinx would recognize on sight, but that a canny eye might notice looked far more like a price tag on a certain zaunite streetwalker than it did a serial number. It's time, Lux said quietly as she drummed her fingers along the surface of the container. Time to show Piltover and Noxus precisely what it means to fuck with us. The sound of knuckles rapping against metal woke jinx from her torpor. It was so dark and closed and cramped. It was pain, yes, but it wasn't the pain that made her shut down. It was the confinement. It was the walls pressing in on her. Every instinct in her body told her to kick her way out, but she couldn't, wouldn't. She needed to stay still, stay still, can't move, gotta stay. Another soft rapping, Clacking, clinking, ticking, and talking. Was it time? Jinx forced her mind upward out of the mire it had sunken into and listened for the sounds again, for the clicking, the pattern, listen for the pattern. It came again, a little sharper this time, and Jinx picked out the pattern. It was pipe code. Knock patterns on the pipes on one side of the mine and you could hear it clear down the tunnel. Kids grew up learning pipe code and little rhythmic patterns in case they got buried in a mine fall or got lost in the sewers. She'd taught a little of it to Lux, and the pattern was tunnel safe, time to work. Jinx bared her teeth in a rictus grin and kicked out, knocking away the panel and flooding the confined space with fresh, cold air. Gingerly, she unfolded herself, crawling out to the tune of cracks and pops as she stretched her stiff body for the first time in hours. Are you all right? Lux was looking down at her worriedly, but Jinx just grinned, turned, and slammed her meat arm into the side of the container she'd been hiding in, snapping the joint back into place with a sickening pop. Doing fine, Blondie, she replied. Here, let me... Lux knelt, put hands on her leg, and Jinx took a deep breath as it was popped back into place. There, she said, good as new. Her leg and arm still ached like hell, but the pain was slowly fading as circulation kicked back in. Dropping down onto the floor, Jinx crossed her legs and started fiddling with the hidden lower compartment of the container where her weapons and her arm were contained. While she pulled out loose bolts and screws, Jinx talked. The Prospero is following the flight plan so far, she said, keeping her voice low. Assuming no delays, we'll be over the right spot in about an hour and a half. Is that enough time? For me? (laughs) Jinx cackled as she finally wrenched the panel free, reached in, and pulled out her arm. I could do it in half that, she said as she lined up the socket with her prosthetic and snapped it into place. Pain lanced through her spine and skull as the nerves reconnected. The feel of cold metal under her fingers still seemed alien to Jinx. The arm still felt wrong. It still twitched when it shouldn't and went still when it needed to be twitchy. How long do you need? Lux asked. Jinx looked over her shoulder with a raised eyebrow and a manic smile. Give me fifteen minutes to crack open a few of these bad boys, she gestured around at the various crates. Also, you should probably amscrable, Blondie. You don't want to breathe in what happens when these fumes mix. Lux frowned. And you do? Well, no, but, um... Jinx tapped her chest. I was born in the lanes. I can breathe shit you wouldn't believe. Plus, you know, the goop in my veins helps too. Sighing, Lux nodded, then knelt down and kissed Jinx on the cheek. Be safe, okay? I'll be up on the port side mess so no one suspects anything. Might want to stay as close to the outer wall as you can, Jinx advised as she dragged Pow Pow and Fishbones out of the rear of the container. I'm going to blow this thing's kneecaps out its asshole. I'll bear that in mind, Lux replied aridly, and thank you for that visual. That's why you love me, Blondie, Jinx declared. It is, Lux agreed as she caught Jinx's chin, turned her head, and pressed their lips together. For once her arm actually obeyed her as it slipped up to loop around the back of Lux's head and pull her closer, deepening the kiss and adding some tongue for good measure. When they pulled back, Lux's cheeks were flushed and her eyes suggested that she'd be doing all kinds of new and interesting things to Jinx if they weren't in a time crunch. Don't tempt me like that, Jinx, Lux admonished playfully. I got no idea what you mean, Jinx replied with a toothy grin. Sure you don't. Hey, save me a sandwich from the mess, Jinx said as she stood with a little leverage from Lux. I haven't eaten all day. Lux rolled her eyes. I told you to get breakfast on the way in. I forgot. Of course you did. But she said it in a soft way, like sunlight coming through a window, and it made Jinx smile a little wider. Also here, don't forget this. She held up a folded article of clothing, and Jinx took it gratefully. As much as she hated taking the risk that she'd scorch it, It felt wrong not to wear her father's jacket while she did this sort of work. The moment she had it on, Lux leaned in for another kiss that quickly turned into a few more before pulling back, smiling, and brushing her knuckles against Jinx's cheek. Then she was gone, vanishing in a shimmer of veiled light, and Jinx's sharp ears tracked her featherlight footsteps as she left the cargo hold. The airship rumbled quietly beneath her feet as Jinx began walking amidst the containers, idly running the fingers that still had some feeling in them over the chemical symbols. There were only a few different ones, but they were all in large quantities, and it wasn't hard to imagine the sorts of uses Noxus would put them to. These sorts of chems weren't the kind that came with the for-medicinal-use notation on them. More like extreme hazard— Do not inhale, touch, or look at for too long. Probably better that they be used for making fireworks. Keeping an eye open for the sounds of footsteps, Jinx got to work, starting from the rear of the cargo hold, prying off the panels at the backs of each container. These containers were the sort made special for transporting volatile chemicals. The bottoms of them were made up of shock-absorbing gels that got pumped through various pipes around the actual containment units, which themselves were made of thick, heavy glass. Jinx pressed her open palm to the transparent surface, and her rictus grin thinned to a hard line. The deep, bruise-colored liquid inside seemed to writhe at her touch. Some chemicals could only be made in Zahn, or maybe harvested was the better word. Zahn was a poisoned place, infected like a stab wound from a dirty shiv left to fester. Piltover was the one holding the shiv, It was always the one holding the shiv, the friend across the river with a smile on her face and a knife behind her back. And she held out a hand that was full of shiny, shiny baubles and pretty trinkets to get you to come just a little bit closer. Close enough for her to take you for everything you own. Jinx jerked back and slammed her metal fist into the glass container and it cracked and fumes began hissing out as the chemicals touched air and catalyzed. One down, a couple dozen more to go. In the mess hall, Lux relaxed next to a port-side window and stared out across the rolling plains. From the corner of her eye, she could see Noxus, the great black iron city, approaching quickly. Soon they would be in position. She smiled before sipping at her tea, then set it down next to a foil-wrapped parcel. Hopefully Jinx was all right with ham and cheese. From the prow of the Prospero, Vi watched as the world passed beneath her. Her mind was in turmoil and her limbs itched with nervous energy. All she wanted to do was do right by her home. But lately she was forced to ask herself if the definition of home was the same as it had always been. Was it still Zahn? She was a daughter of the gutters and the lanes, no matter how long she spent in Piltover, and she believed that to her core, but... Jinx's question back at the dam still haunted her. Are you a friend across the river? In Zahnite parlance, the friend across the river was a sarcastic metaphor for Piltover. The friend who watched you starve and die from their high towers, and only gave when you begged. Once she had hated them with every fiber of her being. She'd hated the Pilties and their topsider logic— and the way they bled the fisherfolk dry just to pen an extra zero onto their bottom line. And then she'd fallen in love with one. Then she'd married one. Now, was she one of them too? Dear friend, across the river, I sang quietly. My hands are cold and bare. Jinx was sweating bullets, and her lungs were thick and heavy as she ascended from the cargo hold. Her vision was kind of gummy, too, but that was fine. It would clear up. She kicked the door closed, jammed the locks, and tugged her jacket straight. By the time anyone got through, it would be far too late. It was already too late. No one could stop it now, even if they found her work. Even if they knew how, there just wasn't enough time. Unless you were Echo. Little man had all the time in the world. That made Jinx grin as she adjusted Fishbone's strap on her shoulder and brought her hands down to rest on Pow Pow's ammo feed from where it hung at her hip. The plan was tick-tock ticking away now, and no one could do a thing about it. Turning the corner from the cargo hold, Jinx started towards the upper deck. Every so often someone saw her, but it didn't matter anymore. Hiding time was done. It was funny, though. They'd spy her, and then they would stagger and shout and cry out, and she just walked past them— None of them were stupid enough to try and stop her. They were deckhands, not enforcers. Even if they were enforcers, they would just be buying themselves a pretty little military funeral back home once the screaming stopped. By the time she surfaced into the clear air, the ship was in an uproar, and a familiar face was at the mouth of the stairwell to meet her. Her face was tight with emotion, which emotion Jinx wasn't sure, but it was definitely an emotion, and her fists were raised and clad in shiny new metal. You sure you want to do that, fat hands? Jinx asked. She had her hands shoved into the jacket pockets, and she nodded down to them. Might get loud if you do. Vi went rigid, swallowed thickly, then stepped back and visibly forced herself to lower her fists. She remembered the trigger. Good. Too bad there was no trigger this time. Nothing to crush, not even a hand. Why didn't you just stay hidden? Vi bit out. Why? And miss that view? Jinx crowed. She strode past Vi fearlessly, ignoring her as she skipped up the steps, past the gawking crew of the Prospero all the way to the prow. Vi followed on her heels, bristling and seething. It made Jinx smile wider. That anger had nowhere to go like a jammed-up pipe. If you blow the Prospero, we all go down, Vi snarled, you included. Jinx stopped at the edge of the prow. It had just crossed the walls of Noxus. If it went down here, the carcass of the ship would kill hundreds. That wasn't her target, though. And? Jinx asked, side-eyeing her sister. I'm crazy, remember? Are you? Vi asked darkly. Good question. Jinx's rictus grin broadened, and that familiar flash of fury crossed Vi's face. She must have been straining at her leash. Her eyes promised a savage beating, but her fear held her back. She was afraid of the trigger, the threat, the loss of life. Pilty life, maybe. Her life, Jinx wasn't sure. You don't have to do this, Vi said shakily. I know why you cracked the damn hell. I even agree with you. Her expression turned stark and pleading. I get it, Pow. I get that you were doing what had to be done to save lives. Vander would have been proud, but this this doesn't have to happen. Sure it does, Jinx said flatly. Why? Because they tried to kill my wife. Vi opened and closed her mouth several times. Each time, Jinx thought she could hear her about to speak, only for the words to die on arrival. Eventually, Vi deflated and swore hatefully as she stared down at the deck— her fingers opened and closed with metal clicks and snaps of pressure as she seemed to go to war with herself. When she finally did speak, it was in soft, familiar gutlough. I told them not to do it. I hissed, told them not to try it or else everything would burn And now. Now oh, look. Well, you were right, Jinx replied, her grin coming back. But it was a knife-sharp thing. Everything is going to burn, and I'm going to be holding the match wanna help? A jolt seemed to pass through Vi, and she looked up at Jinx slowly with a wide, shocked expression. (laughs) What did you say? I said, Jinx repeated, wanna help? She drew her hand out of her pocket, her left hand, and held it out open to Vi. The metal gears clicked quietly in the silence and Vi's expression turned gray and sick at the sight. You can come back to Zom with me, Jinx continued. You can come back, and we can be a family again. You can meet my wife, too. She's mad at you about the hand thing, but she'll forgive you if I ask her, so what do you say? I, Vi stammered. Are we still sisters? Vi's jaw clenched tight, and her fists did, too. Metal ground on metal as she stared at the proffered hand like it was a venomous serpent. Tears sprang into her eyes, and she closed them as she took a step back. Are you a friend across the river? Jinx asked. When Vi opened her eyes again, they weren't cold and they weren't empty. They weren't even angry. They were just sad. I can't do it, Pow Pow, Vi said. I told you, she lowered her metal hand, that my name is Jinx. Below them, the plaza triumphant of Noxus, where Noxus performed all of its nationalistic, chest-thumping public military parades sprawled wide, the center of which was decorated with a ten-meter-tall statue of Grand General Swain. And it stands for Jinx and the ignition timer in the cargo hold ticked its final talk, and the belly of the Prospero detonated in a violent chemical tempest. Fire of impossible colors spilled through the holds and up and around the flanks of the airship. The main engines guttered and howled as they struggled to keep the dying vessel aloft, even as the ship tipped vertiginously forward from the force of the explosion. Jinx held her ground ready for the perfectly timed detonation. But Vi shrieked as she was knocked from her feet, and her eyes blew wide as she tumbled off the deck and out into the open air, and in that instant her eyes told Jinx that she knew she was dead, that she was absolutely certain she was dead. Metal crashed against metal as Jinx lunged forward and seized hold of Vi's gauntleted hand with her metal fingers, and for the first time they obeyed her perfectly. Not yet, fat hands, Jinx spat. Then she flexed, planted her feet against the rail of the prow as chemical fires licked up from below, and hauled back, dragging a stunned Vi from the edge of death and hurling her over her shoulder and down the steps. Vi struck the plank with a heavy thud and rolled with it by instinct, every trench she knew how to fall, and was up on her feet in an instant. She stared up at Jinx with a look that fell somewhere between grief, confusion, and awe, while Jinx could only stare down at her and see a memory. Vi stands for violence, stands for vicious, stands for sister. Her Atlas gauntlets ratcheted deafeningly as she raised them, their hex gems cycling up as the pressure gauge redlined. We'll always be sisters, Pow Pow, but I can't let you go, Vi cried. Let me handle this. Lux appeared from behind Vi, tapping the woman's shoulder as she flourished her staff in one hand, then drew her blade with the other. Go evacuate the Prospero, they need your strength. I'm not leaving, she's my sister, Vi snarled. Is that more important than the lives of this crew? Lux asked grimly as another explosion rocked the Prospero. Because if it is, then you are not the woman I thought you were. Vi was shaking, but Jinx could only smile. Lux was so beautiful with those wild flames and all the colors of the toxic rainbow lighting the night sky. "'You can carry the wounded where I can't,' Vi swore as she turned on her heel and bolted away, and Lux waited for her to vanish before letting her mask fall away. The smile she wore was as vibrant as it was wicked, and it made Jinx's heart do all kinds of interesting flips inside her chest. It was a smile that promised beautiful, terrible things— and it was all for her. Guess we gotta make this look realistic, huh? Jinx asked. Unfortunately so, Lux agreed. Oh, before I forget, though, she reached into her cloak, pulled something out, and tossed it to Jinx. Your sandwich. Oh! Thanks, Blondie, you're the best. Jinx tucked the sandwich away in a pocket. It's just ham and cheese. Can't taste it either way. True, Lux admitted, So, shall we? Jinx grinned, then shoved her arm into the access port of Pow Pow's chassis, drew it up, and held out her other hands to Lux and asked, May I have this dance? The text of this story is available on AO3. Music by Dot Matrix. If you would like me to record a story voice over a character... Get in touch using the contact information available on my website, which is located at samgabrielvo.com. And there you can find other stories that I've read, as well as a link to my Discord server, where I record things live for your enjoyment. And finally, as always, thank you for listening.